0: This podcast features discussions about finances and money, which are general in nature. For personal advice specific to your circumstances, see a licensed financial planner or relevant qualified professional. Hi, folks, and welcome along to another episode of Unpacking Money. I am Scott Malcolm. I'm a financial planner by trade, and... I often say to people, my uh, trivia topic of choice is superannuation. I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but um, anyway. Uh, today, I've actually invited on a, a buddy of mine and also a uh, podcast extraordinaire along as well, Steph Clark, who actually inspired me to get started in my own podcasting journey, but who also is, I guess, a consultant, a, a lifelong learner, and facilitator, uh, and I believe also often says that she's a recovering accountant as well. I've invited Steph along to basically do a bit of a takeover and interview me around that uh, fun topic that is superannuation. Welcome along, Steph. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Scott.
1: Great to be here.
0: Before I hand over to you uh, officially, I'm, I am a little bit scared about this. I'm, I'm like, oh, okay. I've seen this done before, <laughs> but, but it doesn't work. But I've been asking all my guests about an early money memory, an early happy money memory that you've got.
1: The first thing that came to mind was really thinking about my you know, parents and their their money out, outlook. And I know that that, you know, that does tend to inform how we then are, or our relationship with money as we go through life and things as well from those early, early lessons. And it's funny, anyway, my parents... You know not to be clear on these things. They're very much of the money doesn't grow on trees, but you can't take it with you. So it was very much a kind of you know work hard to to earn money, but also you 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 can't take it with you when you go. So you might as well have some fun and spend it, and you know do it, do spend money on the good things in life as well. So I
0: love that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: so yeah, it's wow. a bit of an oxymoron in some ways, but I think it, it sort of taught a little bit of the the value of money and the importance of you know having financial security and. Having your own money very much—it's something I feel quite strongly about. You know, not just uh, as a human, but as a woman in particular. Mm. But also, well, I keep telling my parents that they can't take it with them, but maybe I can look after it once they're gone. So. <laughs> well, yeah, and we
0: we often talk, often say to people, I guess there's there's the two sides of every coin or or every banknote. Uh, while while those still exist at the moment, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, it is. It's it's all about that balance, and so mm. I really like that story. That's um, that's really awesome. So thanks for sharing that with us. All right. I'm gonna let you uh, let you take over. Um, I don't know how I do this, but I'm just gonna like hand over to you now. I think <laughs> you just um, need to
1: stop talking, and then I'll, yeah, well, I'll start. Yeah, well, I can't do that. <laughs> I
0: can't do that step anyway. Over to you.
1: Excellent. Yeah, you didn't need to ask me twice to uh, to come on and and have a conversation and and take over the microphone. So Scott, let's start with a bit of a definition. What is superannuation?
0: Oh my god! Superannuation is the most exciting tax <laughs> legislation out there. Um, but I guess, look in simple terms, it is—it's one of those things that everybody in in Australia, especially, has a superannuation account if they're an employee, and nine and a half percent of our wages go into that for future retirement savings. So it's pretty exciting on that front, in that it's—it's it's your money, a part of your wage or a part of your your package, but it's being put aside into uh, future investment for your retirement income.
1: And I found that such a strange, but also such a great concept when I moved from the UK where you don't have mandatory or certainly the time I was working there, I believe that might be something that's on the cards in the UK, but they don't have mandatory pension in the UK rather than superannuation. So at first I was like, what on earth is this? (laughs) What's this funny word? But anyway, from a a pension perspective, it's not mandated. So you've got a lot of people who are finding themselves in some really difficult positions. I know that's not, that's not, not the case here because that that isn't mandated from your wage from as soon as you start working I just think that's such a such a great system
0: I think it's one of the. I don't want to quote the World Bank sort of stats on these things, but I think we're like one of the the top three or four in the world in regards yeah. to retirement systems, which is really. I do a lot of um, new people into Australia or expats from other countries that are then going. What? How do we? How do we understand this stuff? What does okay. it mean? We're used to either just a percentage of our our tax going away into a pension scheme that we might get access to down the track, which is a little bit similar to our how our Centrelink or. or mm-hmm retirement or sorry I should say age pension system works but that's all means tested here
1: and that probably links a little bit to my next question around what is the history of superannuation let's take it down oh. take us down memory lane Scott
0: oh well and look a lot of people listening might remember back in the day with um I think it was uh, Paul Keating and Bob Hawke. Um, so, Bob Hawke was Prime Minister, Paul Keating was his Treasurer, and they created the superannuation system. So, it basically was mandating a requirement to put money aside for workers. And so, it's not just your employer being good people and saying, oh, we're going to put money aside for you. It actually comes as a part of your employment costs. So, really pay attention to it. Like, understand what funds you're in, where the money's going how it's invested. I mean, prior to that, so that was sort of the um, pre-90s that really became formulated and formalised. Prior to that, there were sort of other government schemes or other company schemes in regards to superannuation savings. Yeah,
1: cool. I didn't realise it was actually that recent.
0: I might not be totally accurate on that date, but uh, yeah, <laughs> let's run it. <away>. Or <laughs> thereabouts, that's fine. It's you my podcast. Yeah, yeah. Can, yeah, exactly. You can fact check it later. <laughs> <laughs>
1: How do people set one up, and well, how much choice do people really have around their their super fund, particularly if they are working for an organisation that maybe has a, a standard one, for example?
0: yeah and so that's that's a great question stephen thanks for asking that there has been super choice in place um and i think that was again probably early 2000s uh, or maybe mid mid early 2000s that that sort of happened where people now have choice because what was happening and i was one of those people I, I started working in a hamburger joint when i was 14 and nine months when i could get a job and ended up with one super fund because again my employer had their standard fund then and then i moved into retail and then moved on to hospitality and so i think by the time i started working uh, in, in my current gig i I um, had probably about four or five super funds and so then i was like oh okay i'm a financial planner now let's start taking care of my own money stuff and interestingly yeah one of those earlier funds actually didn't have any money left in it that's a bit of a a horror story that i'll I'll share later but people do have choice around funds these days and so your employer will generally have their preferred fund but you actually have choice around where you move i guess there are sort of tips and traps in regards to that so we, we do a bit of work with public servants and so Some of the government schemes actually offer 15.4% contributions. Sometimes that actually changes depending on the organisation that people work for. So if they're not working for a sort of a mainstream government organisation, but still a government employee, they might only then get the 9.5% super if they're not contributing to that fund. So it's just checking out some of those things in the background.
1: Yeah, and I'm going to ask in a moment around comparison of of funds, but just want to touch on that point you you mentioned there around you might end up, I mean, even just in the seven, nearly seven years I've been in Australia, I've got three funds. When do you know, and maybe this is one of those it depends questions, but when do you know or when is a good time or when is not a good time to combine all your funds into, into one?
0: Because each fund usually has a fixed fee, So again, if they're all accumulation funds, then I would generally say to people, look, uh, unless you need it for insurance purposes or for other things, other strategies that you've got going on, having one fund is a a good way to approach it all because then you go, yeah, awesome. Everything's in one spot. I'm paying one fixed fee and then you'll pay a percentage investment fee or or, uh, overlay fee on top of that. But yeah, look, I think it's just about taking stock of what you've got in play at the moment. And so for for someone like you, Steph, I'd say, right, okay, what's your framework? Why have you got these funds? What's the context? Um, um, and you might go, oh, yeah, I've got this for, for this sort of work. I'm working in the university sector and I have to contribute to this fund. Oh, yeah, I've got this other fund because I do some other work into this area. And then I've got my standard fund that might be a defined benefit or something else that you've picked up along the way. So that might be quite appropriate for you to have three different super funds. Mm. Um, other times it is just as as in my situation, like I just had – three or four different accumulation funds and they weren't there for any strategy or, or benefit. So that's the time you really take a look at them and go, right, okay, well, what are, what are my current funds doing? And then can I compare it to something else in the market as well to see if there's something better out there?
1: Yeah, nice. And that probably segues nicely into the question of how do you compare or how would one, how would one compare one super fund to the other? Because just from my own experience when I was, and even someone who's fairly financially literate, I – The consistency of the information is is quite poor, I found. Like one will give a return over this period of time, another one will give it in this kind of different measure or metric. So you can't, it's very hard to, as they would say, compare apples with apples when it comes to Mm. the funds. What's your tips or how do you help someone navigate that?
0: Yeah, look, and it can be difficult. I mean, obviously, again, as a financial planner, we sit down with clients and, and unpack all of that and go, right, let's do the, the proper analysis in the background. But if you are trying to do it yourself, there's a couple of comparison tools online. So Champ West has got one and, and I'll put some links in the, the show notes as well for these. But it, it's really about trying to compare compare the pair. The um, And I'm <laughs> a big fan of, uh, of industry funds as well. But what you want to do is actually make sure that what you're comparing is actually reflective of what you're going to go into. So again, a lot of the big and in industry funds you might look at their balanced investment option and so when you hear balanced generally people are talking about defensive asset to growth asset what what does that mean to you Steph? what would you suggest that balance means means in that context defensive to growth assets as a percentage so would you expect 50-50 into defensive assets and 50 into growth assets mm,
1: i guess it depends on where the market is at the moment potentially yeah. as well mm.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> it's no, it's not not true.
1: Scott's face was like that. It's not the answer. Hmm. You
0: meant to say. No, but no, no, no. But it's true, but but what what I think, like, so from a balanced portfolio, like, so when you when you think of that, you go right, okay, and, and I personally, it probably depends more on anything. your age.
1: Assuming assume it would depend on hmm. your age as well. Like, if you're close to retirement, yeah. you probably want something that's slightly more defensive rather than growth, because exactly right, you know, the asset that you've been building up for. 40 years or whatever whereas for someone who's maybe you know my age or something or mm. younger uh would maybe want something that is a bit more growth because you've got a mm. bit of time to make it up if you know the growth isn't there or it's a little bit more volatile
0: yeah so true and, and i guess that's one of the things And we had a royal commission into financial services and and superannuation and things um a few years ago now but um yeah, it didn't actually go there. And I think that sort of makes things a little bit challenging for people because you might be comparing the performance returns over five, ten or three years of a very growth-oriented balanced fund, so a growth what i mean by that is that it's got 70 or 80% of its assets into growth assets mm. and 20 or 30% into defensive assets and you might be comparing that to a fund that's 50-50 so again you would expect that fund that's 50-50 to probably not be performing as mm. as strongly as those growth funds but again it's more around the what suits you and so Hitting on what you said before, investment strategy wise, because I often say, well, super is just a tax play. So if you're not happy with your superannuation, go and look at your investment strategy. So obviously you want to check out that your fees are okay and that you're getting good service and, and everything else from them. But the second element is then, okay, well, what's my investment strategy? use your age as a bit of a guide so if you're in your your 20s you go you have 20 defensive asset 80 percent growth asset as you get into your 30s 40s mm-hmm. you Absolutely. just keep dialing that up and that's again a very general rule and total world according to scott here on that front <laughs> but um it, it just gives you some context so look often we we, have, we work outside of that because i might see a client coming in, in there in their 50s and they haven't got big super savings or they've had a, a divorce or other life mm-hmm. transition where they've gone oh okay my my super is not quite there anymore and we might need to take a bit more of a a growth approach in that front to make that work for them Mm.
1: you mentioned earlier about a little horror story do you want to share that because i'm surprised to hear that especially that so what was it that one of your funds that you had from when you started work when you were 14 and nine months so the, the fund go bust there was no money what was the what was the deal
0: Mm, yeah, so the, the fund definitely didn't go bust. But what what happens at the time was I rolled into my new job and they just oh yeah sign all these forms. Here's your, here's your super form, whatever. And at the time, they ticked a box for me around default or, or insurance cover. And again, no financial advice and no, like I had no idea what I was doing. But mm. I mean, look, if I, if I died at that time, hi, mum and dad, um, <laughs> my, my parents would have got like a, a 200,000 or something payout. Mm. But a 14- and 9-month-old did not need life insurance or total mm-hmm. permanent disability insurance at, at that time necessarily. So, But what had happened is that those insurance premiums keep coming out, and so that fund I stopped contributing to. So by the time I went back to, to look at it, I got this, this lovely letter going, oh, dear Mr Malcolm, unfortunately your insurance premium has dishonoured, um, but that's okay. We're not going to chase you for the $63 that you owe us. And I was going, what? what are you talking about? Oh, but also, unfortunately, your super balance is now zero. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, what, what? But there was like a couple of grand in there, no? So that's that's the importance of actually paying attention and, and understanding the complexities in there. And so, mm. look, the government has changed a few of the rules. So I think uh, Budget 2018, they changed a few of the rules to make it easier for people so if you're under 25 if you've got less than six grand in your super account mm-hmm. you don't have to have default cover a lot of that default cover came from the fact that australians were underinsured um and it was before we had the ndis and all the the, the national disability insurance scheme and and so they had a, a, another protection in there but that, that's yeah. sort of how that uh, happened but i want my money back no yeah. um, it just again <laughs> it was angry, one of those, those life recovery. lessons
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly
0: exactly <laughs> Oh, so um,
1: actually, can I uh, the follow-up question to that is around the insurance because I know there's there can be a debate around do you take the insurance that comes with your super because there is a compound effect on the cost of your know, that being in your superannuation versus actually just paying kind of cash upfront every year through a you know either you know, through an insurer or through some other format that you have medium that you have to buy your your life cover for a couple hundred dollars a year and, and just pay it outright.
0: We actually just explored this on uh, one of our our recent episodes of Ah. the podcast. So um, direct people to go and uh, listen to that episode on the insurance side of things as well. But that default cover, look, it can be good, but I guess there are risks with some of that. So the super trustee can change that insurance on you. Whereas if you have a policy outside of super or that you own yourself, they can't just change the terms of that policy. There's different ways of strategizing, I should say, or structuring insurance to make sure that it's appropriate for what you're doing. Also income protection so one of the big things that i'm a big advocate for is we need to protect our income so for most people of of our sort of uh generation we've still got 20 30 years of working life ahead of us potentially that is a massive amount of income that we're going to potentially earn but if we can't because of sickness or accident or or injury then where's that going to come from and as i say there's a national disability insurance scheme that's not going to provide you with potentially what you need lifestyle wise as well. So that's where an appropriate insurance strategy works. But income protection, to get to my my real point, if you pay for it outside of superannuation, it's actually tax deductible for you personally. Mm. And so the big thing from a tax perspective, superannuation is only taxed at 15%. And so you compare that to our marginal tax rates. And again, we've had Jane Hadrill along to talk about marginal tax, but that could range anywhere between zero and, and 49 cents in the dollar. So you could be paying that same $200 of premium, and that could actually be less of a cost after tax um, mm-hmm. if you've got it structured properly. So in a long way, uh, it's just about getting the strategy right at the end yeah. of the day. But having some insurance in super is better than having none if, if yeah. you need it.
1: So you've talked about a couple of these tips and traps and things like that. What are some of the common mistakes, maybe top two or three common mistakes or misconceptions that you see people make when it comes to to managing their super?
0: That's a great one. And I I guess it's around market correction. So, again, March last year, we had COVID enter our lives. probably What was this? What is this? What are you talking about? (laughs) I miss that. I miss that. Um, We're now living in a pandemic. Um, When market events happen, people often go, oh, I'm going to stop salary sacrificing or putting extra money into super, or I'm going to switch my option to cash. Mm. That is potentially the worst thing you can Mm. do, especially if you've still got 20 or 30 years to retirement. So, we're running heaps of online courses Big shout out to Laneway Learning as well, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, one of our, our connections there. But um, we we're running some online workshops there um, and people were saying, oh, we went to cash. When do we reinvest? And I'm like, well, that's now. a, that's, that's the a million dollar question, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Whereas my big tip is we'll stay the course. Like you yeah. get your investment strategy right and then just knuckle down and stay the course. So mm. obviously, again, if, if you were – Two years from retirement, we often say to people, well, you want to make sure that you're taking or de-risking your strategy. But there's ways of doing that without necessarily going – totally to cash and yeah. so it's just about getting that that investment structure right as well so you can say, also
1: going going to cash at the low is surely you, you've taken a loss that is imaginary yeah. and made it real
0: yep exactly right exactly right and then the the million dollar question of well, when do you rebuy yeah. and because look nobody knows markets and so it is one of those things where market is is a lot sentiment driven as well so if something's mm-hmm. going wrong globally or economically people freak out and go mm, get go to go to safe assets but the risk with safe assets at the moment is that interest rates are so low. And mm-hmm. so you go to safe assets and you're getting maybe 0. 0.5 or 0. 0.8 as a interest rate mm-hmm. return. And so when the global financial crisis happened, that probably wasn't as true because you went to cash and you got rewarded with like 6 or or 7 or 8% interest rates here mm-hmm. in Australia. Again, it's about time as well, but it's, it's time in the market. And so I'd always just mm-hmm. say, look, people who have made money, clients of mine who have been clients in sort of early 2000s and made money over time, stay the course and so again, mm. you get your investment framework right you just keep buying as yeah. um, as those market events happen and so yeah And the, the other big one is probably that salary sacrifice thing in that you can only put twenty five thousand into super, so that mm. that's soon to increase. So, next financial year it goes up to twenty seven five hundred. Get excited, everybody! Indexation, <laughs> but what that means is that that actually includes your employer contribution as well. And so, people often go, "Oh, I've got twenty five grand. I can put extra twenty five on top mm. of what my employer is putting in." And I'm like, "No, no, no. Unfortunately, not. It's actually twenty five thousand, including what your employer is putting in." But oh, interesting. Yeah, that power of compound interest over time is mm. actually really, really powerful. And so, there's some great tools on the, the Money Smart website as well that you can check out. So, you can go on and do your own sort of retirement projections and things. So, if you do want a DIY, um, obviously, again, financial planners can help with, with modelling and scenario planning and all those sort of things. But um, there's some great tools out there.
1: I heard, uh, I, well, I read Ramit Sethi's book, which is I Will Teach yeah. You To Be Rich. I'm a big fan of his work. I really like his his approach to, to personal finance. And yeah. he has this – and he says, that, you know, people, people ask him, when do I buy in and all this kind of thing, and people obsessed about – Timing the market, whereas he says actually it's time in the market, not timing the market. You should be worried about, and actually, yeah, exactly, staying the course. And again, you know, might you might have a small pot of money that you do some more transactional trading with, which yeah. makes you probably more kind of on the stocks and things like that. Yeah, and. Just on that, that pulling out and that going to cash and things. A friend of mine, when they did the super release that you could do last mm-hmm. year, friend of mine who's very analytically minded on, on these kinds of things, and he's always the one who you know tops up to the twenty five and makes sure he's you know maxed out his super. He did the calculation of if he took ten grand out of his super, what would he need to make back on that to offset the damage in, in mm. commas that that has done to his the compound impact what mm. the compound effect of it over, yeah, the rest of his, let's yeah, call it yep. whenever he wanted to retire. And he worked out that it was roughly around, from memory, around $60,000. He'd have to turn that, that ten grand yep. would have to turn into sixty to make yep. back what it would lose by not being in a super fund over the next yep. 30, 40 years or whatever. It's incredible, isn't it, when you actually do that? Because it seems like, the and again, obviously for some people that was, if that's the matter of being able to mm. pay your mortgage or not, you know, whereas actually for some people that, that wasn't the case and it was uh, just go to cash because it's free money. But Yep. when you work out the real cost of that it's pretty frightening
0: mm, yeah no definitely and and again touching on your point before like i i just again government policy without getting too caught up with it there's mm. been some debate lately about people trying to flee domestic violence and things mm. like oh well, you can have access to your super and i'm just like no let's actually fund proper services because yeah, yeah. having access to your super again that that impacts so if it's 10 grand now depending on how long to retirement as you say like i, I did numbers on a 20 year old taking out the 10 10 grand if, if people had had mm. that much in there by sixty five on a seven percent return over time with some inflation, it was around about one hundred and sixty grand or something. Yeah, wow. well, start to go. That's a lot of money. Like that's actually yeah, a, a big amount of money. That yeah, again, if people needed it, obviously that was a, a different story. But if it was just going into consumption, then mm. yeah, yeah,
1: and even and just that point as well. And we're sort of going down a, a tangent or a rabbit mm-hmm. warren around the domestic violence thing and those kind of situations because. You know, a huge problem is poverty for women, mm-hmm. uh, particularly later in life. Yeah, you know, and particularly if they've gone through some kind of transition event like a divorce or whatever, and that's affected their financial, uh, you know, where they are but, and the yeah you know, the decisions they made twenty years ago, which then have then. Suddenly become irrelevant in some ways.
0: Yeah, and look, I speak to clients of, of all asset levels and situations, mm. and yeah, it is. It's um, we do have that support system there with with retirement with the age pension, and so mm. people often get super confused with age pension in that they are moving that. Unfortunately, Steph, I think for, for our generation, it is going to get mm-hmm. closer to seventy yes. um, before we can access the age pension. Um, but that's the safety net, and so that that is only about twenty three grand, I think, for a, a single person, about thirty three for a for a couple. Yeah. Um, um, so when you look at those numbers, you, look, you can build a framework. I often talk about having the magic million in superannuation once you get to mm-hmm. retirement, and people have probably heard other people talk about that. But that will provide potentially somewhere between sort of fifty to sixty grand a year without touching your capital too much over mm-hmm. over time. But you can still create a similar amount of income with a lesser amount in super if if you say own your own home and you've got mm-hmm. say a couple of mm-hmm. hundred grand in super. We've done similar things for clients in that we go right. Well, your super is going to be. Diminished over time and, and by the time you hopefully get to your 90s and you're, you're no longer here, it, it's used up, but you'll also top that up with the, the, the mm-hmm. age pension. And so, again, it's all about strategy. But I think the big thing I'd say to people is start thinking about it today because the longer you leave it, I've had clients roll into my office when they're in their 50s or worse, even mm. in, in their 60s and go, oh, we want to retire tomorrow. We've never seen a financial planner before. Can we do it? Mm. Um, and then I'm there going, Ooh, okay, well, what does that yes, number if say? Yes, you wait till you're 100. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, exactly. I'm like, that number there? Oh, that says 100,000. I'm like, okay, what's this other number here? Oh, yeah, 200,000. I'm like, so you've got 300,000 in super. How much do you need to live on? Oh, well, probably about 70 grand a year. Mm. The, the average for a couple is about 65,000 a year. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, okay, well, We'll divide that into that. We can do, I'm like five years of retirement, maybe. So, yeah, and as I say, like the age pension doesn't kick in till 67. So, it's again, really start thinking about those strategies sooner rather than later. So, you've actually got good lead time on on getting things into play and and played out.
1: Yeah. I don't know why you keep saying, our generation Scott, you're much older than I am. Well, <laughs> true.
0: So I'm, I, I'm trying to make myself younger, Seth. <laughs> Is what, that right? Is that right? That's why I hang out with younger people because I'm like, oh. <laughs>
1: Or drag you down, yeah. <laughs> All right. So you mentioned a couple of times around DIYing. Uh, what should people DIY? And I assume by DIY you mean the self-managed super funds or SMSFs that some people might have seen. Is that is that what you mean by DIY?
0: Yeah, look, and I I guess when I say DIY, it is when I say people not getting financial advice, I guess. And look, the stat is only about probably 20% of Australians have actually seen a financial advisor. So, look, again, don't blame people for that with royal Mm. commissions and Mm. other uh, bad things that have been uh, going on in the industry in the past. But look, I think there is real value in getting advice. And again, whether it's just strategy advice rather than trying to, I mean, the industry has changed tenfold from the days of sort of vertical integration, as they called it, and Mm. product being aligned to the, the person you're sort of seeing but it's really about the strategy in my you can DIY in that you can go and do your research set up your own fund go and have a look at those things self-managed super funds are then the ultimate in do-it-yourself super so again we've got another episode uh, with one of my colleagues who does self-managed super funds and she's a big super geek so we actually unpack those further as well but that's all about having the right strategy as well so they can work really well in certain situations I guess it is really that DIY as in do-it-yourself do your own research get a, a framework mm. in place or go and see a financial planner because I often say to people, a financial plan is just about having that decision-making framework around your money yeah. uh, and you don't need to see someone like me to have that. It might just be that you've got a, an ad hoc um, decision-making framework or you and your partner have had casual conversations around money stuff, uh, hopefully not when uh, when things are getting uh, tight and it, it mm. turns into a, um, a friction-based uh, conversation. But, um, mm. yeah, you, you've probably got an um, ad hoc plan in place anyway.
1: Yeah, nice. Okay, so you think thinking more of DIY is almost more of a continuum or a spectrum between self-managed super fund and actually running the whole show yourself, Mm. through to on the the other end or the probably less uh, the more conservative end might be just choosing which scheme to use and doing some comparison and some research, and then obviously in somewhere in between that getting some some advice on the on the way.
0: Yep. Yeah. Exactly right. And so again, it's it's either just as I. Build your framework, work out how much you're going to contribute and how much you're going to fork con- to contribute. Um, because again, I talked about that magic million before. I've got a couple of slides and a few of the, the workshops that we run. And if you just do that over a twenty-year time frame, so again, even for old people like me, are <laughs> just going into their forties now, um, zero. If you have a zero balance today, if you're getting around about that seven percent return, um, and you put twenty-five grand a year in between now and say um, sixty um, or, or sixty-five, depending on how close to. Uh, mm-hmm. In the forties, you are um, that could turn into an extra eight or nine hundred thousand in super, yeah, and so it is really about in that time in the market, but also mm. that contribution uh, as well, which is really powerful.
1: Yeah, it's amazing to see those numbers add up, isn't it? And realize how yes, you know, yeah, you know, there's all these comparisons around. You know, Joe is twenty and puts five dollars in a week. You know, they're getting one the, you know, the numbers are a hundred dollars in a month or something mm. like that, versus someone who's forty and puts a thousand dollars in. Mm. Actually, the person who's been putting a lot less in, but for a lot longer, it's phenomenal like the yeah. the impact of that just that
0: compound yeah. effect. Exactly right, and, and that's why again, even if you're on a lower income and you go, oh, Scott, I can't put twenty five grand, in, mm. I can't max out my super contributions. Even doing a couple of hundred bucks extra a year, or yeah. again, there's government co-contribution. So if you're earning under thirty six thousand dollars a year or thereabouts, you put in a thousand dollars, the federal government gives you another five hundred dollars, so yeah, that can work really well if people are having say time off to to raise kids, or or mm. even just doing a, a career change and going, mm-hmm. oh okay, I'm going to go and re, reskill and educate or study or whatever it might be, or go from there. So that's a really good thing as well.
1: All right. As we bring this to a bit of a close, what are the three tips, practices, top things you would want to share with someone or share with the person who's listening, who's thinking, oh, right, I need to want to, they're feeling inspired to have a look and get excited about super as you are.
0: What I would mostly say is make sure you open your statements. I've had so many people, like, and again, they're, they're in email form now, but I've had people roll into my office with the paper uh, envelopes and go, here's my super. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, fancy, you haven't even opened those. Um, so, look, make sure you, you pay attention to it. I, I often say to people, if I gave you a 9.5% pay rise today, if you rolled into your, your boss's office or, or employees it up, oh, everybody's getting a 9.5% pay rise, would you pay attention to where that money went? You'd probably already in your head go, oh, I'm going to spend it on... Unfortunately, you can't spend it yet, but that money is actually there already. It's going into superannuation. It's your money. So go and pay attention to how it's being invested, what it's going into, check out that it's aligned to your values as well so there's so much again either ethical Mm -hmm. or um, sustainable based investing like that there's so much stuff and and growth in that space at the moment so just make sure it's aligned to to your values and Um, some of those are actually making
1: some pretty good competitive returns as well which i think is often the uh, even just a conversation i had with someone just a couple of weeks ago was oh yeah it's all very well because i Go with a, an ethical super fund, and uh, they were like, "Oh, yeah, that's great if you want to. If you don't want to retire on much, or yeah, they, they sort of made a mm. bit of an off-the-cuff comment because there is this assumption that
0: misconception, ones, yeah,
1: yeah, this misconception, yeah. etc., that those ones don't make the returns, but some of them really, really do."
0: Mm, yeah. And, and again, they've, they've done really well because a lot of them have been, te- again, they're not mining based, but they might be tech based. Yeah. So think about what's actually done well over the last mm. couple of years, technology companies um, and healthcare. And so again, a lot yeah. of those are aligned um, in that, that thinking of sustainability. And- Especially if you've got a bit of time on your
1: side where those things are going to continue to, mm. whereas hopefully mining and stuff like that will start to diminish
0: and yeah, so I'd say open open your statements definitely. Look at ways that you can, even just on the on the cash flow front, try and find an extra 50 or 100 bucks a fortnight to put into or a month into super. Salary sacrifice is a great way there because mm. you can put that in, you won't actually see the full impact of it. So, sort of at a, a mid level, let's say a, a 60 grand a year income, you put 150 bucks into super a fortnight, it's only going to cost you about 100 bucks in real terms mm. in take home pay. And so that's the tax effect of that. And so, if you can go, right, I can find 50 bucks a week out of my, my, spending money that's actually a good way just to at least as you said before kickstart some of those sort of things and look i would just say the third thing is just check the insurances and and those elements in there because as i say insurance is really important but you don't want to be paying for stuff that you don't need and then i'll I'll add a fourth tip go and jump on the money smart website and i'll I'll put the, the links on there because as i say there's a lot of great tools on there around retirement planning and, and superannuation planning as well.
1: And I think there's there's a there's something in there as well around, you know, for people when they do get a pay rise or a bonus or something like that, just thinking, do I really need to take that home or can I actually reinvest that extra? And if you're working on a pretty comfortable salary or you're, you know, doing all the things you like to do and not struggling or suffering, actually could you decide never to take that home in some ways, reinvest it into your super through salary sacrifice? and then you never miss it. And I think that's always the thing, isn't it? It's, if there's ways of reinvesting something for the long term in a way that doesn't cause you any short-term pain, that's uh, even better. Yeah. So we've been all over the place. We've defined super. We've gone through a bit of memory lane for the, uh, the history of super. And then also thought about some of those tips, tricks, and also some of the, the pitfalls. And I think that one on insurance, that's certainly something I'm going to go and just do a double trip and triple check on, on, my, uh, on my funds to do that as well.
0: I thanks, love Scott. it I love it thanks so much for coming along Steph um, and I'll put you links for your contact details as well Steph runs uh, a podcast called Steph's Business Bookshelf I think I'm getting that correct that's correct um, yeah. and I, I guess inspired yeah that will be I have to redo that <laughs> um, I've been really inspired I, I love audio I-, I-, I haven't really read a physical book since I think I was in hol- on holidays a few years ago because um, remember when we could do holidays yeah, remember could, those yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but I listen to a lot of audio books because I travel a lot and yeah I think I picked up a couple from your little this is what i've been reading so oh, I, I love uh, i love what you put out there but any Scott. any great um finance books that you'd uh, you'd recommend you'd, you talked about ramit so that's yeah that's so ramit sethi definitely
1: yeah. i will teach you to be rich is one of my favorite ones and i just yeah just particularly like his his approach to to financial planning and even though and i think it's one of those ones that yeah, some people be like oh it's very american or it's very yeah. you know, a lot of the products he talks about or the banks he talks about obviously are american that's where his main thing is but i found equivalents here very easily with a bit of a google so Mm. yeah it's really not hard to take the principles and i think that's the idea it's take the principles and apply them to your jurisdiction that you your geography that you're living in rather than getting hung up on this specific product or this specific type of um this specific uh company
0: so true and Mm. dev just wrap it up i'd say just start paying attention to it and and create that framework around your money because again whether you're talking to someone formally about it or not have those conversations within your partnership or with yourself sit down and go right okay this is my framework Mm -hmm. around money how do i want to be around it what am i doing but what does my retirement look like and what do i want it to look like because that's the context at the end of the day is the the key thanks so much steph great to have you here and catch up with everybody soon see you soon thanks scott